Remember the 90s, when MTV still played music videos, when people still bought physical copies of albums, and when legendary musicians like Kurt Cobain and Dimebag Daryl still walked the earth? Well, now you can once again relive that decade every week on KBGA because your favorite 90s radio show, Sounds Like Teen Spirit, is back and better than ever. It's still the best show on KBGA to hear artists like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Sublime, Megadeth, Primus, and more. Again, that's Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Now on Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m., only on 89.9 KBGA Missoula.
was Jimmy's Chicken Shack kicking off this program with Dropping Anchor off their 1997 album, Pushing the Salmonella Envelope. Welcome to a new year of the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your reanimated host, Ian. This episode's got music from the likes of Meatloaf, Fugazi, The Cult, Ugly Kid Joe, Everlast, Flotsam and Jetsam, Audio Slave, Living Color, Incubus, and Ben Folds 5. Plus, I'm going to be reviewing and playing a song apiece from the new Our Lady Peace album, Spiritual Machines 2, which was released on January 28th, the new Eels album, Extreme Witchcraft, also released on the 28th, and the new Korn album, Requiem, released on February 4th. I'll start with Our Lady Peace. The newest Our Lady Peace album is a direct sequel to their 2000 album Spiritual Machines, a concept album partially inspired by Ray Kurzweil's 1999 book The Age of Spiritual Machines When Computers Exceed Human Intelligence. Appropriately, but perhaps unimaginatively titled Spiritual Machines 2, the album, just like its predecessor, consists of 15 tracks, five of which are brief excerpts of Kurzweil expounding some of the ideas and predictions from his book. It also happens to be the first Our Lady Peace album in two decades to involve original guitarist Mike Turner, the one who turned frontman Rain Maida onto the book, though he's only here in a guest capacity. All of these factors point towards a welcomingly familiar outing, but from a musical standpoint, Spiritual Machines 2 has very little in common with the original, or with any other OLP album for that matter. Looking back, it's occurred to me that Our Lady Peace have subtly altered their sound on practically an album-to-album basis, but this album's more of a bold reinvention. In contrast with Spiritual Machines 1, which is among the band's most quintessential releases, number 2 takes its musical inspiration from myriad modern-day alternative indie rock and pop artists, including but not limited to Modest Mouse, The Strokes, Arctic Monkeys, Big Data, and Portugal the Man. Meta has described the album as an anti-rock record, and with its cleanly produced guitars, prominent funky bass lines, use of electronic noises and samples, and drum machine percussion sound, it's not hard to understand what he's getting at. This album is as far from rock, let alone the essence of Our Lady Peace, as the band's ever been before. And you know what? I actually dig it. Now, full disclosure, Spiritual Machines 2 is definitely not going to gel with some fans, particularly those who hold the 2000 original in high regard. They might even feel stiffed or betrayed. However, any fan who possesses an open mind as to what Our Lady Peace can be, and happens to enjoy any of the alternative and indie acts I rattled off earlier, will be able to see just how much like a glove this new sound fits the band. The songs here are pretty well varied, and at least most of them can be considered worthwhile. Lead single, Stop Making Stupid People Famous, featuring Riso Riot, is easily one of the album's poppiest and most atypical songs, and its position at the beginning of Spiritual Machines 2 makes it all but guaranteed to disarm any fans that go into the album blind. However, it's also undeniably catchy, with a melody you may not necessarily want to get out of your head if you could. It's basically like a Modest Mouse song produced by Danger Mouse. The only poppier song on the album is arguably Simulation, much further down the album's track list. That one boasts the least amount of rock instrumentation and largely reminds me of Portugal the Man. It's not nearly as infectious as Stupid People, though, and it'll likely take most listeners at least a few spins to get behind, if they can at all. Other notable tracks include The Message, which has a definite Arctic Monkeys groove. 
Wish You Well, an epic power ballad that is reportedly a follow-up to Are You Sad off of Spiritual Machines 1 and really should have been the closing track. 19 Days, which rides an infectiously upbeat drum loop to great effect. Run, a funky, bluesy number that sort of reminds me of Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. And second and third singles, Future Disease and Holes, respectively, which represent the closest the album comes to that signature Our Lady Peace sound, though strictly in a relative sense. Ultimately, I consider Spiritual Machines 2 to be a stronger album than its predecessor, though I may be in the minority on that one. The album's gravitation towards a cleaner, more contemporary sound might come off offensive if it didn't work so well, but chances are not all of you would agree with me as to its effectiveness. All I can say is, give it a fair shake, and you'll most likely come out satisfied. Alright, the next song I'm going to play is aforementioned highlight, 19 Days. Enjoy!
metal hair band thinks they are. Here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. College radio is 89.9 FM. KBGA. Missoula.
portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events in its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com. Cause 
my brains scuffed up on Percocet and Vicodin. Might as well be heroin pulsing through my veins. Gotta kill these pains or blow out my brains. Free me from these chains. I'm trapped in this physical hell. To walk again, I just might sell my soul. And I'm only 20-something years old. Years old. Listen, we don't need any fancy, super-duper promo. We don't need any of that. See, here with KVGA, we're just a student-run college radio station, and we play music. It's pretty simple. 
That's it.
1993 album, Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell. On this episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit, we mourn the loss of Michael Lee Aday, a.k.a. Meatloaf, who died in Nashville exactly one month ago on January 20th, 2022, at the age of 74. His official cause of death was not disclosed at the time, but it was later revealed to be due to complications from COVID-19. Meatloaf was an outspoken critic of mask mandates and other COVID precautions, at one point declaring in an interview, If I die, I die, but I'm not going to be controlled. Therefore, he was highly unlikely to have been vaccinated at the time of his death, and he almost certainly could have done more to avoid getting COVID, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, I just want to take a moment to reflect on the extraordinary career this man had. I think if there was any one word to adequately sum up the music of Meatloaf, that word would be theatrical. Meatloaf always dreamed big when it came to his recordings, much bigger than average for someone who generally operated as a solo artist. In his mind, there was no such thing as excess. His albums often incorporated lavish things like orchestra pits, backing choirs, and layers upon layers of guitars, pianos, and synthesizers. 
His songs were sometimes elaborate multi-act productions spanning several minutes in length, and his quote-unquote band routinely consisted of 20-plus members. And I believe the whole reason it worked was that Meatloaf always committed 100% to his visions of grandeur. Right from the get-go, Meatloaf managed to make rock and roll extravagance his calling card, amid an era that put him in direct competition with the likes of Elton John and Prince, no less. He was not one to compromise or take half measures, and the heights his musical ambition could reach were sometimes staggering. Meatloaf released a total of 12 studio albums in his lifetime, selling over 100 million records worldwide. Undoubtedly, the most successful of those albums were the Bat Out of Hell trilogy, which is estimated to represent almost two-thirds of the aforementioned record sales. These albums were full-on rock operas, largely defined by the creative input of composer and producer Jim Steinman, who actually died less than a year ago. The first album in the trilogy, simply titled Bat Out of Hell, was released in 1977 as Meatloaf's debut, and it was an absolute monster. In fact, I'm struggling to think of any recording artist who may have hit the ground running harder than Meatloaf. Bat Out of Hell is responsible for more than 43 million worldwide record sales alone, stayed on the charts for over nine straight years following its release, and still manages to move an estimated 200,000 copies annually. Eventually, Meatloaf reunited with Steinman for the album's sequel, Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, which ended up releasing in 1993. While it couldn't quite replicate the runaway success of the original, it still sold over 14 million copies worldwide and spawned one of Meatloaf's biggest hits, I'd Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That. Finally, Bad Out of Hell 3, The Monster is Loose, was released in 2006 without Steinman's involvement and only sold about 2 million copies worldwide. In addition to his music career, Meatloaf managed to carve out a legitimate side career as an actor, amassing over 50 stage and screen credits in his lifetime. For the most part, his biggest roles were in Broadway productions such as The Rocky Horror Picture Show and Hair, but a notable exception was his supporting role in David Fincher's 1999 cult hit, Fight Club. He played Robert Paulson, one of the earliest and most involved members of the movie's eponymous underground fight club and its eventual offshoot, Project Mayhem. In death, a member of Project Mayhem has a name. His name was Michael Aday. May he rest in peace. Anyway, before Meatloaf, I played E. Luciferi by Danzig off his 2002 album Danzig 777 E. Luciferi. My Time by Jane's Addiction, off their 1987 self-titled live debut album. Shaft by Incubus, off their 1995 debut Fungus Among Us. Painkillers by Everlast, off his 1998 album Whitey Ford Sings the Blues. Germs of Perfection by Bad Religion, off their 2007 album New Maps of Hell. And Never to Reveal by Flotsam and Jetsam, off their 1992 album Quattro. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen spirit. All right, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Eels album, Extreme Witchcraft. The latest Eels album completely flew under my radar until shortly after its release. 
Admittedly, though, I hadn't been paying much attention to the Eels camp lately since I wasn't expecting another album from them in 2022, or at least early 2022. The previous Eels album, Earth to Dora, came out just 15 months prior. But I suppose that's on me for not knowing better, as history's shown that Eels have sometimes taken even less time than that between releases. Apparently, once frontman Mark Oliver Everett, aka E, turns on the songwriting faucet, he can't help but leave it running. And it seems E has been listening to a lot of Black Keys and Eagles of Death Metal as of late, because Extreme Witchcraft is a bouncy, funky, energetic, fuzzed-out rocker of an album, the likes of which we haven't heard from Eels in a long time. In contrast with the last two Eels albums, which were primarily driven by ballads and mellower songs, there isn't a single ballad to be found on Extreme Witchcraft. The closest the album has to a ballad would be its ninth track, So Anyway, and that's a semi-ballad at most. I'd actually compare it to the Your Lucky Day in Hell single off the first Eels album, 1996's Beautiful Freak. Fortunately, even without any proper ballads to provide a change of pace and break up the action, Extreme Witchcraft still has no problem remaining an eclectic and thoroughly engaging listen. Each song carries a noticeably distinct tempo from the one that came before, and a number of different subgenres of rock music, such as funk, blues, psychedelia, and power pop, are definitely incorporated into the mix. Each of the album's tracks are good on their own merits and have something unique to contribute to the whole. For instance, lead single Good Night on Earth is an aggressively up-tempo Eels classic in the making. Strawberries and Popcorn sounds almost like a fully realized Guided by Voices track. Stumbling Bee meanders along on an especially hypnotic mid-tempo groove. Steam Engine evokes the funkiest and catchiest songs by Gary Clark Jr. Closing track I Know You're Right is like a Black Keys song from their 2014 album Turn Blue. Better Living Through Desperation is perhaps the album's heaviest track with its beefy and fuzzy guitar riffs. And Grandfather Clock Strikes 12 is essentially a Beck song that simultaneously channels two of his most disparate albums, 1999's Midnight Vultures and 2008's Modern Guilt. As you can see, Extreme Witchcraft is a lot of different things, but it's still an Eels album above all else, and ultimately the whole thing is damn near perfect. I mean, I found the last two Eels albums to be enjoyable enough, but this is on another level altogether. It's rare that I get to hear an Album of the Year contender this early in the year, and indeed, Extreme Witchcraft has set a high bar for the rest of 2022 to live up to. Alright, this next track is one of my favorites from an album pretty much exclusively made up of highlights, so you know you're in for something special. This one has the distinction of being Extreme Witchcraft's most bipolar song. For its verses, the song is lush, relaxed, and spacey, but whenever it gets to the chorus, it becomes loud, agitated, and confrontational. This one is called What It Isn't. Enjoy! Just 
Jake the Snake Roberts, who gives a damn about those call letters? KBGA, KGBA, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know where the music's at, don't you? Stupid. Sometimes I get the feeling that I won't be on this planet for very long. I really like it here. I'm quite attached to it, I hope I'm wrong
KBGA Missoula, The Cabbage. Uh, this song's called Opinion. Congratulations, you have won this year's subscription. I'm bad puns and a makeshift story. I'm concerned and said it up before it burns my opinions. Mm-hmm. My opinions. Mm-hmm. My opinions. Mm-hmm. My opinions. Mm-hmm. This seems to be a Seems too clear Now they rise and fall Like Wall Street stock And they have an effect On happy talk Got opinions Mm-hmm opinions Mm-hmm opinions Mm-hmm opinions mm-hmm. Congratulations You have won It's a year's subscription Of bad puns And it makes you story I'm concerned and you set it up before it burns in your opinions. Mm-hmm, your opinions. Mm-hmm, your opinions. Mm-hmm, your opinions. Mm-hmm, your opinions.
Evo ja sam Dino iz Bosne, ponosne, a vi slušate KBGM iz Ula Montana. Aj, uzdravlju.
Mighty Mighty Boss Tones with You Gotta Go off their 2002 album A Jackknife to a Swan. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones have unceremoniously broken up after nearly 40 years of existence. On January 27th, the band shared a short statement on their website and social media pages that reads as follows. After decades of brotherhood, touring the world, and making great records together, we have decided not to continue on as a band. Above all, we want to express our sincere gratitude to every single one of you who have supported us. We could not have done any of it without you. Love always, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. That's the entirety of the statement. Certainly doesn't offer any insight as to what spurred this decision, but I guess sometimes these things just naturally run their course and just sort of end quietly. Not every artist is going to cap off their career with a globe-hopping two-year farewell tour. But hang on, the Bostones released their latest album mere months ago, and they had several shows booked for 2022, including another co-headlining gig with Ska Godfather's Madness in Los Angeles. They love Madness! Something must have gone down, and as all the circumstantial evidence seems to suggest, the source of that conflict was political. It would appear that frontman Dickie Barrett has a hard stance against the COVID-19 vaccine, and that recent activist actions of his have led to strife between himself and the other members. The band's statement came hot on the heels of the revelation that Heart of Freedom, a song created to promote a recent Robert F. Kennedy Jr. anti-vaxxer rally in D.C., was produced by one Dickie Barrett. And just a couple weeks prior, Barrett suddenly stepped down as the announcer for Jimmy Kimmel Live, a position he held for nearly two decades to supposedly retire to Arizona. Initially, it wasn't entirely clear if the Dickie Barrett connected to Heart of Freedom is the same one that fronted the Boss Tones, but according to unidentified sources close to the band, Barrett had indeed produced the song, and what's more, he'd actually left his announcing gig because he was told he would need to get vaccinated in order to keep it. Neither Barrett nor any of the other eight Boss Tones have commented yet on the validity of these tidbits and theories, but if there's any truth to them, then I'm disappointed. Disappointed that one of the last great ska bands has met such an anticlimactic end and that Dickie Barrett is apparently an anti-vaxxer. That's not the impression of him that I got. Sorry, I had to. Anyway, before the Boss Tones, I played Joey Let's Go by the Toadies off their 2010 album Feeler. Pattern in Time by Living Color off their 2017 album Shade. Because You Are by The Smashing Pumpkins, off the 2014 Super Deluxe reissue of Adore. Opinion by Nirvana, off the 2004 box set with The Lights Out. C.U.S.T. by Ugly Kid Joe, off their 1995 album Menace to Sobriety. Don't Change Your Plans by Ben Folds 5, off their 1999 album The Unauthorized Biography of Reinhold Mesner. And Furniture by Fugazi off their 2001 EP of the same name. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen spirit. All right, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Korn album, Requiem. 
The enduring success of Korn, the original new metal band, roughly 20 years removed from the genre's heyday, seems like it should be wildly against the odds, but it's actually not that hard to understand. Upon closer examination, Korn has consistently been one of the hardest working metal bands of the past few decades. Ever since their arrival on the scene in 1994, the band have operated like a well-oiled machine. They've never gone more than three years between studio albums to date, having now issued 14 albums in under 28 years, and they've managed to tour extensively in support of practically all of them. Also, despite continuing to work within a genre that's arguably been on borrowed time for ages, they've succeeded in cultivating a sound that's distinctly their own, which they are constantly refining and experimenting with to keep it fresh. In light of all that, it's no wonder Korn have survived and thrived long after most of their contemporaries imploded, and as it so happens, the band's new album Requiem is highly reflective of all that positive stuff I just outlined. Requiem draws influence from a bunch of familiar sources to produce something altogether new, yet still firmly within Korn's wheelhouse. Elements of other 90s metal bands, not necessarily under the new metal umbrella, are detectable in certain places. For instance, the song Penance to Sorrow somewhat evokes the booming industrial sound of Fear Factory, and Hopeless and Beaten, which is driven by grindingly slow yet pummeling guitar riffs, as well as perhaps the most strained vocal performance on the album, sort of reminds me of Deftones. However, Korn's biggest inspiration for Requiem was by far Korn itself, with different songs channeling different eras of the band. Opening track and second single, Forgotten, arguably the strongest song on the album, sounds like something off of 2003's Take a Look in the Mirror. Lead single, Start the Healing, evokes 2005's See You on the Other Side. Lost in the Grandeur is reminiscent of 2013's The Paradigm Shift. Disconnect harkens back to the 1999 album Issues. My Confession recalls the 2002 Untouchables album. Worst is on its way is a bona fide follow the leader track, and so on and so forth. However, Requiem ultimately amounts to more than just a pastiche of Korn's vast discography, as there's another factor in play that shapes the direction of the album, and that's the demeanor of lead vocalist Jonathan Davis. It seems Davis is in an unusually good place right now, especially when compared to the Davis that sang on 2019's The Nothing, an album he constructed feverishly in response to the 2018 overdose death of his estranged wife, Devin. If Jonathan Davis sounded like he recorded the vocal tracks for that album while lying in the fetal position between bouts of violent sobbing, then Requiem's Jonathan Davis is one who picked himself up off the floor, cleaned up a bit, and stepped outside on a reasonably pleasant day. Granted, it's not a complete 180. He's still singing mostly about pain, but this time it's coming from a place of sober reflection and reconciliation. There is oftentimes a palpable serenity in his voice that I'm pretty sure wasn't there before. Also, he's singing clean more than he used to, swearing a lot less, and sometimes his vocals even seem to soar. As a consequence, however, Davis's vocals sound more radio-friendly than usual, which might rub some fans the wrong way. Don't take that to mean Requiem isn't heavy, though. In fact, thanks to the reliable twin guitar attack of James Monkey Schaefer and Brian Head Welch, as well as the measured but often forceful drumming of Ray Luzier, the music of Korn seemingly wants to claw and kick through your speakers as much as it ever has. Overall, Requiem isn't one of my favorite Korn albums, and I ultimately don't think I prefer quote-unquote happy Jonathan Davis to his default anguished and unhinged self, but it still blows my mind to hear Korn sounding this vital in 2022.
This album may be brief, with just nine songs clocking in at around 32 minutes, but it does not go around. Alright, this next track is actually among the most radio-friendly songs on the album, and it's kind of a wonder it hasn't been released as a single yet, but whatever, I like it. This song is called Let the Dark Do the Rest. Enjoy!
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give something else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org. Yeah. 
Yo, what's up? This is Afro Man. Hey, this is Bass Nectar. We're the Dodging Mountain Man. The Hood Internet. Hey, this is Michael Franti. This is Dude from Infected Mushroom. And we are from the band. Up. You're listening to KBGA, Missoula.
Hill with Put Him in the Ground off their 2018 album Elephants on Acid. Cypress Hill recently announced the details for their upcoming 10th studio album. The album is being titled Back in Black and is scheduled for release on March 18th. Last year, Cypress Hill released two new singles, Champion Sound in March and Open Your Mind in October. Naturally, both songs are included on the track list for Back in Black, and to coincide with the album's announcement, a third single titled Bye Bye was just released. These three songs have their differences from one another, but all of them can be classified as quintessential Cypress Hill. Champion Sound is a decidedly old-school but versatile Cypress Hill joint that could have fit in on just about any of their albums. Open Your Mind is reminiscent of the group's early output, with lyrics musing over the state of marijuana legalization today, and a sufficiently stoned-sounding beat and delivery to match the subject matter. Finally, Bye Bye, which features a guest verse from Dizzy Wright, is a more serious Cypress Hill song about the hardships of growing up in the projects, backed by an appropriately foreboding beat. It would have sounded right at home on the group's particularly dark third album, Temples of Boom, which happened to have a single called Boom Biddy Bye Bye. Of course, the title Back in Black is commonly associated with ACDC, and to a much lesser extent, the Men in Black 2 theatrical poster, but Cypress Hill's usage of it is likely an allusion to their successful 1993 sophomore album Black Sunday and their apparent efforts to revisit that era of the group. This has more or less been confirmed by a recent comment from Sendog, who said, This album is a return to our roots. We were proud hip-hoppers back in the day, and we've gone through it all. We're proud to be part of the hip-hop industry. Doing a straight hip-hop joint was the way to go. Indeed, Cypress Hill's last few albums had them dabbling in the likes of reggae, hard rock, and Middle Eastern music, but it looks like this next album will be dealing out nothing but the purest of dope, so to speak. Based on what I've heard so far, I very much look forward to reviewing and playing from Back in Black for y'all, so stay tuned. Anyway, before Cypress Hill, I played New Thrash by Sublime off their 1992 album 40 Ounces to Freedom. Surprise, You're Dead by Faith No More off their 1989 album The Real Thing. We Got the Whip by Audio Slave off their 2002 single Cochise. Try to Remember by Space Hog off their 2013 album As It Is on Earth, The Badge by Pantera off the soundtrack to the 1994 film The Crow, The Air Is Getting Slippery by Primus off their 1993 album Pork Soda, and Goat by The Cult off their 2016 album Hidden City. And that about wraps up a chameleonic episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I've been your host, Ian. As always, thanks to each and every one of you for your enduring listenership. I realize it's been nearly two months since my last program, and I apologize for the wait, but now that the musical floodgates for 2022 are finally spilling open, expect to start hearing new episodes more frequently. I'm going to try to have another show ready in two or three weeks to cover the new albums from Eddie Vedder and Midnight Oil. 
And then the second half of March is going to be an especially eventful period for 90s lovers, with long-awaited new albums from Stabbing Westward and Placebo, in addition to the aforementioned Cypress Hill. Plus, Weezer will supposedly release the first of their four 2022 Seasons albums around that time, though no specs or songs have been disclosed as of yet. That'll all be more than enough to fill an episode right there. Finally, in April, we'll be getting that much-hyped 12th studio album from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which will welcome back classic guitarist John Frusciante for the first time since 2006's Stadium Arcadium. Earlier this month, the Chili Peppers announced that the album will be titled Unlimited Love and released on April 1st. They also issued the lead single and opening track, Black Summer. And as you might expect, it's a very guitar-driven song that effectively re-establishes Frusciante's presence in the band. Folks, I'd been telling myself to check my expectations for this particular album, but after hearing that first single, I can't help but fully embrace the hype train. It's a pretty great song that resonates with me harder than basically anything from the last two Peppers albums. Black Summer is largely mid-tempo, with verses that coast along on Frusciante's feathery strumming and ultimately erupt into the song's anthemic chorus, not to mention a classically red-hot guitar solo that loudly proclaims Frusciante is back in every searing note. Overall, it's nothing you haven't heard before from the Peppers and John Frusciante, but it's certainly a welcome return to form and a natural continuation of the Stadium Arcadium sound. I'm hoping I'll be able to give Unlimited Love its own episode, since the album is a pretty big deal to me, and with 17 tracks totaling 73 minutes, I'm definitely not going to want to stop after airing just one. But that plan is subject to change depending on how my release calendar fills up over the next month or so. For now, in honor of another potentially great Chili Peppers outing with John Frusciante, I'm closing out this episode with the classic Frusciante jam Road Trippin' off the 1999 album Californication. Until next time. Road tripping with my two favorite allies. Fully loaded, we got snacks and supplies. It's time to leave this town, it's time to steal away. Let's go get lost anywhere in the USA. Let's go get lost, let's go get lost Blue, you sit so pretty west of the one Sparkle like with yellow icing Just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun has come before those battles lost and won This life is shining more forever in the sun Now let us check our heads and let us check the surf Staying high and drives more trouble than it's worth in the sun Just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun
just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun